Welcome to the acclaimed podcast, The Deep Dive, featuring your esteemed hosts, Andy Monitor and Drew Dinzik, powered by Betsperts. Welcome to The Deep Dive. Uh, this is one of my funner um, genres of Deep Dive. One where we learn about something cool that's adjacent to the stuff we care about, but we don't have to kind of be the experts. We can kind of ask the key questions that we think uh, will kind of, number one, help us understand something interesting that is continuing to grow. And number two, um, you know, figure out where to find it, how to find an edge in something that is, uh, you know, is becoming a more obvious, you know, pot of money in this space to try to attack. Um, and that, of course, is best ball fantasy football. Um, I need to pivot a little bit to NFL in general. We're getting to that time of season yeah, where we're going to have to start is. previewing things in general. So it's time to start thinking about football with hockey and basketball in the books. Um, Wimbledon already pear-shaped on me. Um, NBA draft thoughts, of course, you can catch our spaces tomorrow or check out the uh, the uh, article that um, Ben Fox wrote from Beeson for some of that draft thoughts. Um, but uh, we get to talk about football today. And to join us and to help us understand better, uh, none other than at TJ Hernandez uh, of 4 for 4 uh, to help us kind of flesh out the best ball space. And our friends over at uh, PFF Forecast, um, they tell me on and on and on, you have to draft in June if you want to win best ball. <laughs> and so here yeah, we are at the end of June. Days. I got four days to figure this out. Uh, so without further ado, First ever time, welcome to the Deep Dive. Mr. TJ Hernandez, how are you doing tonight? Boys, thanks for having me. I'm doing great. Uh, nice talking to some uh, Betsperts family. We're all so, so damn busy doing our own thing. I never get to talk to you guys, so I'm excited to be here. It's nice to reach out to a guest just in the work slack. Yeah, like, yeah. Hey, it makes it way easier. What, what, hey, what are you yeah. doing next Monday? Let's talk. It, it is cool. And truthfully, we wanted to do something like this last year. And it's just like, man, I don't know who to talk to. This was very convenient because you guys over there, I mean, you have the rankings. Paulson does some stuff with it. You have tools and like you're, you're doing a bunch of best ball content too. And yeah. I ended up doing the best ball draft last year. I only did one. So I yeah, didn't I, win. I didn't win the million. I tried. You didn't yeah. do it in June. Yeah. I didn't do it in June. I, I, I did. I did a couple. I did a couple more than one last year and I still don't win a million. So don't feel so bad. Okay. I went with the... <laughs> I went with the uh, Charlie Buckets theory. Yeah. You know, all those kids are opening all those chocolate bars. I figure I'll just open like one just or get two. get that one. Get yeah, that it did not, did not work out. But the, and we'll, we'll get to that later, too, because I, I wonder on your opinion on, you know, the difference between some of these people that are just yeah. pounding into these and how somebody who doesn't want to spend a shitload of money on this can go. I did have to open up a new account. Um, Luis, Luis was able we're with the partnership with underdog he had to send my information over there and my yeah. original underdog account i couldn't change my username mm, mm-hmm. it, was, uh, it was the classic drew you dong, know, hammer, dong, dong hammer dong, 69 yeah dong hammer 69 he's like yeah. come on so come on man. I, I, so I, yeah, I, have, I have i have two underdog accounts so i can't uh, we, yeah we oh. have a set we have a separate separate work slack for the dong hanger accounts i love it man um so tj Help me before we kind of get into the specifics of best ball. Yeah. As someone who is integral in the content space for fantasy football, where does yeah. best ball sort of fit in in the arc of like 
the heavy duty fantasy players, like the guys yeah. who are making their living doing this, like, is this now like all of a sudden, like the most important thing that you're doing in June and July is trying to nail these best ball drafts. And how does it fit with all the other stuff that you're doing over the calendar year fantasy football? Wise? Yeah. I mean, in the, in the scope of the, the whole <clears throat> fantasy football uh, universe, I mean, it's still very niche. Like there's still, if you ask the average dude on the street about best ball, he's still never heard of it. Sure. Um, but I mean, when it comes to people that are, are in, into DFS, um, fantasy sports, specifically fantasy football full time, people are just going to follow the money. Right. So I, I think right now, uh, I would say over the last two years, my off season from the NFL draft until, DFS starts has been primarily best ball. Um, it's it's an interesting th- thing to think about from a professional gambler standpoint because if you're chasing after something like best ball mania underdog tournament, um, one you're just everybody is a huge dog, right? It's kind of like the World Series of Poker. Like you're you just have a couple more lottery tickets than the other guy if you're good, um, and there's just a bunch of dead money. And you're also just tying up your and you're also just tying up your money for so damn long in best ball, right? That's another big problem with yeah, it. If you're somebody right. that's like trying to max all these tournaments, depending on on the size of your bankroll, um, you know, th- there's there are a lot of people that that can't afford to have ten grand tied up for eight months, which is you know that makes a lot of sense. So I, I think it's kind of personal preference i mean as far as how much digital ink is going to it this year with the 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 best ball mania tournament having a 10 million dollar prize pool um that is where most almost all my attention has been this offseason um is it the most uh, positive ev thing to do to only be focusing on tournaments probably not um but you know what are we what are we doing here for not chasing two million bucks okay so yeah Andy, and so also- this, is, this is like the circa pick them then basically yeah, yeah. It makes me think of that, too, where it's like, hey, I'm already going to be betting football all year. Mm-hmm. Why not take a portion of my bankroll, put it on a pick yeah, put it on Survivor, do something like that just to kind of diversify. And also, it keeps your – I don't know, Drew, does this does this ever happen to you when you're looking at Circa Pick'em stuff? Like, it helps with my process for the week, just oh, betting course, yeah. football, too. And, and sure. I think this is, you know, obviously – and if you play in the Superflex one that's up now – that's going to be way different than a lot of, well, I mean, yeah. a lot of these are going to be different than anything you're doing. If you're in dynasty leagues, if you're in super, you know, two quarterback, yeah. but it, just in general, like I know a lot of guys who prep for redraft by doing mock drafts. Yeah. And I can't, I can't wrap my head around, but first Stop. of all, I'm just not in enough redrafts, but it just feels like dead time. I get that it's, yeah. it's good reps and you get a feel for where people are, but you get a feel for people where people are with ADP. Yeah, yeah and, for sure. And this feels like a way better use of my time if I want to just knock out a bunch of $5 super flexes to get a kind of a feel for where people are going than doing mock drafts. And again, I'm in like, I'm only in like two redraft leagues at all, but it's, uh, I, I need to prep somehow. I don't buy the magazines anymore. Yeah, I, I think probably for if you're the average redraft player that plays in two or three leagues or even maybe one big buy in league a year, uh, like the, at the very least, if you're drafting best ball, there we'll get in probably get into the nuances of the differences. But you're at least getting that muscle memory and and kind of learning where players are going, what players you like, how you can build a team like the your the flow of the draft, where you can get certain guys if you want running back early, wide receiver early, whatever it might be. I just think that muscle memory is the most important. I mean, the I I've gone from you know classic the the twenty redraft leagues to 
now that it's my my full time job and I'm so focused on DFS and and uh, best ball, like I play in two redraft leagues a year. But when I get to that home league draft and and I've done a hundred drafts and everyone else is their first time all year, I mean you're you can almost go in there without without a ranking sheet and do it blind just because you're you're so comfortable with not just again not just the ADP, the values, the players that that you know you're going to like, but what that means for your team as a whole, right? When you know you start say running back, running back, wide receiver, you have a really good idea of how that team is going to shape up, where I think people that just haven't put the time in to do uh, enough drafts, they're still going to panic and put together some probably pretty poor teams, at least in terms of things like roster construction. So yeah, being in, even if it's only a $1, you don't have to be doing these tournaments. There's $1, 12-man best ball uh, leagues, whether it's on underdog, whether it's a super flex, whether it's tight and premium on um, something like FFPC, like you could find a very cheap best ball league where you can throw 10 bucks in, do 10 $1 leagues, and you're going to be way ahead of your league mates, I think. Does, does DraftKings still have best ball too? I know. Yeah, they, yeah DraftKings. DraftKings. Yep, so yeah, you, got, can do, you can do yep. this a lot of places. Yeah. And, and it's funny too, before you even, uh, before you came into the room, Drew and I were in here early talking and I mentioned like my home league, how horrible I am at waivers. I'm like, this yeah. is just, this is like custom fit for my, my level of, uh, attention I don't know, attention detail during the season. Yeah, yeah man. attention. Well, so much more is going on with betting. Like I don't give a shit about waivers on a Tuesday night. And like I it's said, hard. I'm in two leagues it's, and I still, hard. still struggle. And also drew, this is, uh, for people who maybe bet on the NBA draft, and then realize like there's no hockey, there's no basketball, and they don't handicap baseball, and they're struggling with life. On they feel like they should play some bets today, and they and they they maybe have a, a bankroll that's a little extra flush, thanks to Duke University's Paulo Banchero. Maybe this would be a good way to scratch that itch. Like I might be doing three of these a day just to keep me from betting baseball totals. I like the general concept that TJ brought up of muscle memory and just kind of forcing yourself to think through roster construction, forcing yourself to think through decisions like Cooper Cup or CeeDee Lamb at this spot, right? Like, you know, forcing yourself to kind of at least evaluate players whose rankings and whose average draft position are very close and they fill the same role and forcing yourself to take a position on those kind of uh, now before it's, you know, you get to later in the season, I think makes total sense if you're a very serious uh, you know fantasy football player. Um, and then the kind of, I was kind of tongue, tongue in cheek with our friends from PFF about the must draft in June, but is it fair to say that basically because of the level of seriousness of players like yourself and others who are doing this at a you know professional level or at least a high stakes level, that like the ADP that we go through from best ball drafts from June and through July is kind of like price discovery, more or less, for yeah. these markets. And like the, by the time we get to the end of it, it's it is what it is. These are these are the right rankings after the uh, end yeah, of this process. I think I think first of all, I think it kind of depends what we're talking about. Like like I said. Uh, if you're playing the the best ball mania three tournament where there's 450,000 people and we all just have like, you know, a lottery ticket, even if you draft 150 teams, um, you're going to want to spread out your action. You're still a massive underdog to even cash in the tournament. But I mean, there are just which we call cash game leagues, just single 12, 12 man teams where it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily matter if you're drafting in, in May or August, but to answer your question about this big money that everybody's chasing um we have looked over some data and and the differences are 
the margins are, are, are pretty small. Like there isn't anything overwhelming, but the, the highest scores and, and the best advance rates, however you want to look at it, um, have typically come in May. Usually the, the tournaments have, have launched um, <laughs> right after the NFL draft and then in August. So I, I think the explanation for that is probably, and, and the, the reason we, we don't know for sure, my guess would be, May after the NFL draft is when obviously we don't have prices on players yet. So we get the chance to really, really exploit these things. And then after say that by the end of May, after we have three or four weeks of drafting, um, the, the prices kind of settle to where they probably should be because the people that are drafting in May are probably the most hardcore guys going to trend yep. towards the sharper guys from June 1st until I think training camp starts July 26th this year. There just isn't a lot of stuff happening. So there's not going to be, once that those ADPs kind of settle in the summer, they're not going to move a ton. You know, there'll be news things here and there, injuries, legal cases, whatever have you, but just not overwhelming amounts of news. Whereas once we get those training camps, what we once we get to August, now we start seeing real player movement, a new chance to take advantage. And no matter how sharp you are, like it's the same in betting, right? The more information you have, the better. Even if other people have that information, you're probably going to be maximizing your bets with the most information. We have that in August, and then you're just going to have more casual players in August. The field's just going to get softer, so you're going to get worse people in your draft. So that's a really long way of saying May and August to seem to be optimal, but you still want some exposure in June and July. Those summer, The winner of the $1 million tournament last year was drafted in June. Um you know, so you're, there's still going to be spots to take advantage of different swings and prices, and maybe you get a guy for whatever reason. Right now, if you get him in the the 15th round, training camp comes, there's an injury. Now he's a third round pick. You know that that's just um, uh, you know Skolanski bucks to use a poker term. Yeah, and and back to the muscle memory thing too. That really resonates because, I mean, even Drew, do you remember when we screwed up way early in this in this uh, podcast and you called me or text me and said, Hey, I wasn't actually recording that <laughs> episode. Oh, sure. And we, and we just sat down and said, fuck it, let's redo it. And it was, yep. and at the end of that, we're like, Holy shit, that was good because we had done it already. Yeah. And even, even me and I misspoke. I'm in three leagues. If I count my tennis or get the fuck out league. So my home league is my third league. Traditionally we, uh, as men of, uh, you know, some distinction, ruin labor day weekend by having it on that sunday like wives people have had to quit the league in the past because um they said oh, yeah. we're not having we're not having labor day weekend run by a fantasy draft where you go back home and drink you know for three days straight yeah it's such is life but that uh it is always my last one and i mean even doing two other shorter small drafts maybe you know again with some smarter people but not fantasy experts by any means it does give you kind of a feel for yeah like my first one like you said people who don't do it maybe construct a shitty roster and i, I feel like it's 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 like mixing up two puzzles and trying to put it all together where it's like i get to the end of the draft or maybe even partway through i'm like i and you know you screwed up in redraft yeah. like like i i i misused my first four picks and now i'm going to be chasing it like you already know you've you've done it you've done it wrong yep. and i think by the second one i have a little better idea based on you know which spot i have and i can do a little better and then on that third one i i, I know like hey i'm in the sixth spot this is what i'm going to do with that and i kind of know what those people in the middle of the round have done and i always do really good in that draft so i'm kind of excited to see what happens when i do 100 of those 
Well, <laughs> yeah. let's let's get to the mechanics of this actually, because that's a yeah. good segue. How many do you do? How does this work? I bet the, I want I want to win this two million dollars, man. That's a nice that's a nice little little payday for playing some fantasy yeah. football. Um, yeah, yeah. How does what are the mechanics of this process? I'll again, um, I, I because you are tying your money up for so long, and and um, you are chasing like these big paydays in these huge fields um i i kind of looked at like if i have my dfs and gambling and now this year formula one bankroll i kind of think of this outside of, of it um this i'm i'm this is kind of like funny money i'm not expecting to get like a, a a nice roi on on best ball like i'm probably going to end up maxing the um the best ball mania and then i'll play some some other um like regular leagues i'll just have some action on ffpc yahoo best ball is like crazy soft so i've just been the last couple of years i've always thrown i don't know maybe a thousand bucks at yahoo leagues just because the roi out there is insane um but the 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 calculus has kind of changed this year with the 10 million million dollar tournament i'm just kind of chalking this one up to uh to uh f- i don't know like a a vacation money but turned into my my uh my casual time for fantasy sports but if you're if you're thinking about playing it as a long-term investment as part of your your uh you know whatever you break it up your annual gambling bankroll i think you should be focusing a lot more on softer sites 12-man leagues like there are some smaller tournaments um that that you might have a, a better shot at but if you're just firing off at this uh, at, at Best Ball Mania 3, you know, unless you have, a, a, you know, whatever you're comfortable with, you're firing off 3500 some odd dollars if you're max entry in this thing. A lot of people aren't going to be co- comfortable tying that money up, um, you know, for half the year. So okay. it, it's just a personal preference risk thing, I think. I like okay. how you said, I mean, we all do, I think we all do that a little too, where we separate out our bankrolls. And it's the same, like, Drew, you spoke to, you know, Circus Survivor, yeah. And circa, you know, pick them. It's not like I say, oh, my bankroll is two thousand dollars less because I entered each one of these. You know, it's like no, that yeah, was right. I, I planned ahead. Like I was going to enter those. I still have like that. That was money I'd set aside for that. <clears throat> I think this is kind of the same. And, and fantasy, I mean, redraft fantasy. I spend a little bit on that. Like that's all just kind of separate stuff. Yeah. Because you know, this is tied up for a long time. Yeah. It it has a probably it's probably dead wood with a super high upside if you just uh you know if you luck out or you know do enough coverage and end up with one of your 150 teams for like, i'm cheering for you now well no yeah. still I, 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 yeah. I want some I, i'm cheering I'm, to, to be fair i'm cheering for me but secondarily i'll cheer for you for you either to, one of you to take down the bbm to give an actual uh quantitative answer if you're thinking about this as how you're going to fit it into your bankroll and you do want to be very disciplined I think you can approach it like you would DFS qualifiers. Like if you're spending more than 1% of your bankroll on this, you're probably, um, you, you probably need to rethink things. Um, you know, so, Surely. so I think, I, I think realistically, if you're looking at your entire betting fantasy, you know, bankroll and you, you can't replenish it. Um, you know, if, if you don't have well, like comfortably six digits for your annual bankroll, I don't think you should be throwing $3,500 at this thing as part of your bankroll. If you have $3,500, you know, income that you're just using against fund money, by all means. But if you're really thinking about it, I think you should think about it like qualifiers. It should be like less than 1%. I like how you said vacation money. 
Yeah. I'm of the and I'm not a part of this with you two, but I'm of the opinion people in Southern California shouldn't take vacations. Oh man! Well, thirty-five hundred dollars doesn't pay for my vacation. I'll tell you that much. Um, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, the, it doesn't, doesn't even quick. pay for the antibiotics. <laughs> <laughs> I'll pay for the flight. Uh, yeah. The uh, so real quick the so again mechanics wise, uh, you're allowed 150 entries. Yep. Into the okay. into the one, Yep. And they're 25 bucks a pop, so we're yep. just under 4K outlet. Yep. Um, and then, <clears throat> realistically, um, if you are going to put 150 entries into this, are you spreading them out over time so that yeah. you are capturing yeah. old some before? Yep, definitely. Some early in the process, some in the middle, and then some in the late, and you have kind of a different strategy depending on when you're drafting. Is that reason? Is that real reasonable? Um, I, I wouldn't say my, my strategy necessarily changes. I, I think you're just going to naturally have some ebb and flows throughout the offseason. I started in May. I think I'm 35 in right now. Um, I, my goal is to be to like like 70 by August and just fire one or two a day for August to the first week of kickoff. Um, but I, I wouldn't say my strategy is necessarily changing. Uh, I mean, we could re- you could really get into the, the nuances here, but I would just say my – what I'm really paying attention to throughout the off season, I would say after, probably after the like, once training camp starts, I'm really paying attention to my my exposure. So making sure I have players that I want to be overexposed to, underexposed to, and then um, roster construction exposures, which we could start talking about. But just how I'm building each team, how I'm stacking each team, what offenses I'm exposed to. So I mean, my my draft strategy isn't necessarily going to change. I want to be scooping up as much value as possible all year. I want to be adhering to the roster construction guidelines and, and stacking guidelines that we think are optimal. Um, and then just making sure that that uh, portfolio looks, looks all right. At least in my opinion, come September. When naturally things are going to change just based on news, a player gets traded, mm-hmm. a player gets hurt, you know, just your rankings are going to change. Yeah. And, no, it's probably not enough to change full strategy unless you had, well, no, I mean, this is what I mean. I mean like, well, like, like if you sit down in August and you're like, I'm going to fire job. two. If you sit down in August and you're like, I'm yeah. going to fire two today. You're like, okay, yeah. I'm going to make one high risk and then I'm going to make one kind of round out the portfolio. You know, no, like, so, and then the next day you're like, I'm going to do this and then I'm going to do that. I so think that, we need to get into builds. Yeah, yeah. yeah we we, could, we right. can, I mean, we could, we can go either way you guys want. You tell me. Well, no, I, th- I think that's where you're talking. I mean, as far as uh, once you start doing different styles of builds, like, yeah, you, you know, don't give away all the, don't give away all the secrets. No, no. I mean, the secrets are available in the best ball menu Bible available on 444.com. Um, <laughs> but if, if I, I think I'm, I'm not going into any single draft thinking this is going to be a high risk build. This can be a lowest build. Like I, I want to be very fluid every time I enter a draft. And that goes back to the point of muscle memory, right? When you get to, when you're, when you've done 30, 40, 50 of these things, you can know very quickly how that team is going to shape up. Um, I, I think more so what I'm thinking about is if I get to uh, if I get to August and I only have, say, I don't know, uh, like 15 percent of Josh Allen and I want to be around 25 to 30 percent of Josh Allen and I know I only have, say, 15, 16 drafts left for, for the year. Um, I'm going to, instead of waiting to take Josh Allen when he falls past ADP, I'm being more likely to take him at ADP. So those are the, really the okay. things I'm thinking about. If I don't, if I say one, one thing that's like, let's just do the, the most controversial build, like zero running back team. If I want to be at 10% zero running back teams right now, I'm not going to go into a draft and say, this is going to be a zero running back team. But when it, it gets to, to September, when it gets, when it gets, when it, yeah, but, but when I get to August and I realize, huh, I only have four 
0.4% zero running back teams. Now we'll go into the draft and I'll, I'll fire off a couple zero running backs. Go out of my way to do that. that but I, I like the thought of being fluid. And again, this is coming from an asshole who does three drafts a year, four last year. <laughs> Not this year, did, you're doing I, 100. Yeah, I did one best ball, but my three redrafts. But you do got to stay fluid, especially when I'm in, again, home leagues where you have some unpredictability based on, you know, some guys might get weird with it. You just got to be ready to be like, I like how you said, you don't want to have a, a, a rigidity yeah. to what you're going to do with that one play. It's more of a, maybe a bit of rigidity to the overall portfolio, like knowing, exactly. Hey, I, I need more exposure to this guy. If there's some coin flips down the, like, Hey, I can take either of these guys in this spot or either of these guys in this upcoming spot. I need a little more exposure to, you know, yeah. whoever. And, and that's going to be the difference between somebody like me that's going to be drafting 150 at Best Ball Mania and somebody that might draft only two or three or someone that's only using this to get ready for their home league. Like, if you're only drafting two or three or if you're just getting ready for your home league, like, you're, you're going to take some bigger stands than me just by nature because, again, let's just use Josh Allen as an example. If you think you need Josh Allen to win this tournament and you're only playing two leagues, Take Josh Allen six picks ahead of ADP in your because that's the build you're looking for. For me, I'm doing so many drafts, I'm naturally going to get my Josh Allen exposure, right? So, like, I, I think you're probably in within a single draft. The guy that's only doing two or three should be taking more stands because he has less bullets and he needs to beat 450,000 people. So, um, you know, you take your stands, and I am doing that when I get later later in the season. But for now, uh, it, it's all about gobbling up that that ADP and and just kind of smashing the tournament that way. Okay, so the, uh, so in a, in a completely neutral setting. You sit down for a best ball draft and you are literally like, I'm going to get as much, you know, as many players as I can who uh, are higher than their current ADP as possible. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I think especially early, early in like the first, let's say, like first four or five rounds of a best ball uh, draft. I, I'm so comfortable with what I want to do with roster construction and stacking that if I could get through my first five rounds and gobble up ADP values, guys that are falling past their ADP, um, I'm, I'm going to be really comfortable building around my team that way, even if it's not necessarily players that, that I like. Now, again, I'm I'm going to take stands on guys, um, but I'm not going to go out of my way to take a guy a full round ahead of ADP sure. in the fourth round. It just doesn't yeah, make yeah. sense. Yeah. Okay. So I, was, there... I was going to ask that. What's, you know, what's more important if you, you know, if you're looking at it and you got the, the two button guy meme and it's, yeah. you know, a huge ADP value yeah. or here's or... a guy who's pretty close, but I have him ranked much higher than, the, you know, the market in general. You know, yeah. I suppose it's just a little of both. There, there's some pretty convincing data that through the first, I don't know, call it eight or nine rounds of the draft. Um, if, if you're reaching like a full round past ADP just because you love a guy, it's been pretty detrimental to whether it, whether it's advance rates or total points. Um, you're just losing so much value in your draft by doing that. When you get to your 14th, 15th round, by all means, the difference between uh, reaching for a round in the 15th round and reaching a round in the 6th round is really different, right? Sure. So, so I think um, early in drafts, if you're doing that, it doesn't make sense. Because if you have a guy ranked 30th, but he's going 45th overall, he's still going to be available for you at 45th most of the time, right? So you're still going to get your 30th ring guy. So why not get a guy that's going 30th and a guy that's going 45th? You have them both ranked 30th and 31st, whatever it is. So, uh, yeah, I, I would say in general, reaching early in the draft is shown to be pretty pretty bad for results. Okay. I suppose just game theory-wise, too, you know, just 
somebody for for that guy who you might reach for to not be there at his ADP. Yeah, there has to be one of eleven other guys has to really like him as well <laughs> exactly. and be willing to reach. So exactly, I, I, I get what you're saying. Like further down, it's it's a much there's a much smaller difference between you know 100 and 120 compared to you know even like 25 and 30. Yeah, and we're really, really bad at projecting fantasy football players over the course of a whole season. Like, even the best prognosticators have, like, uh, depending on how you want to measure it, like a, a 60 or 65% hit rate on guys. So that's kind of building in our own um, our, our own errors and, and taking account the volatility of an NFL season, right? Like, sure, we might be ranking these guys higher than their ADP, but that just means they're going to be our favorite targets at their ADP. If we're, if we're not letting ourselves... Um, uh, let the market make errors, we're kind of losing that edge we have in, in the small margins of, of whatever uh, projection we think is better than the field. So uh, we're, we're, we're building that error into our projections by letting ourselves take value, even if it is players we don't like, right? Like we're wrong a lot. So if that player falls 12 spots by ADP, even if you don't love him, that's when you want to scoop him up. That's the value in, in a, uh, any fantasy football draft. Okay, so in your opinion, this year the draft is one in what round? Um, or what range? Oh, that's a really good question. I am going to say the draft, the best ball mania tournament is going to be one in the first three or four rounds. I, I wow. think one thing, and, and this is only, and and there, this is kind of just a, a long way to like talk about a roster construction that I love, but one thing that happened last year is early round tight end did not dominate in best ball. And for the vast majority, best balls I think I've been playing since 2013, one of the most dominant strategies has been early round tight end. I think people that go out of their way this year to load up on early round tight ends are going to have a really big advantage on the field. It just gives you so much flexibility um, in your roster construction. It has um, – it. It's one of it's if you're early round tight end hits, it's one of the biggest positional advantages you could find. And there just isn't another position where or that early in the draft, you're going to see such a high win rate or advance rate from position because there's so many running backs, so many wide receivers, so many quarterbacks that can dominate where tight ends. When those early round tight ends hit, they just absolutely smash. We've seen it going back to Gronk. We've seen it from Kelsey. Uh, we seen it from Kittle a couple years ago. Last year, there just wasn't a dominant early round tight end. So uh, that's the only reason I say, like, in I think in those first few rounds, um, having the, the way I've thought about it and talked about it is – there's four or five early round tight ends, so about 35% of the field is naturally going to have an early round tight end. I want to have like I want like half of my teams to have an early round tight end. Part of the the exposure and part this is the most interesting thing I talked to with uh, f- former guest Calhoun, Link Calhoun about uh, about golf. Uh, you know DFS when I get to talk. Yeah. The thing is, I have to plan to like stay up till 2 a.m. to do that because that's <laughs> when he works. But talking about ownership percentages, trying to yeah. get the right mix of that in when we're building our golf DFS. And I wonder about that. That's obviously the most interesting thing, picking his brain about it. But as far as, you know, and let's assume it's a guy like you who is going to max a tournament, whether it's mm-hmm. the big ball, big balls, the best. That sounds the like big, a good one. What's B, the BBM. I'm just going to call it the BBM. <laughs> I can't remember the name of it. Or, best or ball even Best ball mania, even if you're just maxing the $5 super flex. Let's let's assume you have 150 lineups, 150 teams. 
what's a what's a high percentage of ownership? Does it vary by positional group or position? You know, yeah. is it like you know th- this is high for running back, but it's not high for tight end because there's only like four good tight ends. Yeah, the weird thing about best ball compared to DFS is most of the field is going to be in at least in 100% of leagues, right? Everyone that's getting drafted is going to get drafted in most leagues. So, so there's a couple ways you can think about it. One is your, your exposure to a single player. Um, I think the high end of maybe like an early round pick I'll have on upwards of 40% of my rosters. That's like really, really overweight on a player. If you, if you have that might say the first, I don't know, six or seven rounds, if you have a guy in 40% of your rosters, that's crazy high in the late rounds. It's, it, it gets way more mixed up, right? Because you can, you can pretty, if you have a guy you love in the 16th round, you could get him in the 16th round, a hundred percent of drafts if you want. So I, I would say somewhere, uh, those guys might end up on maybe 50% of my rosters. Now, the one way you can get unique, um, and this is, this is like super meta, um, uh, qualifier thinking, just trying to get way outside the box in those last rounds. That is where you get. I think I think Hayden Winks of Underdog did a study on this, and I think when you get to the fifteenth round, is when players stop being drafted in one hundred percent of drafts. So when you get to those last rounds in a tournament of this size, don't do this in a twelve man league, but in a tournament of this size, <laughs> you can start reaching for these guys that are really deep on the depth chart that the aren't Elijah being Mitchell's drafted. Yeah. Exactly. One of my guys has been Quez Watkins because I love the Eagles this year. So like he's not being his ADP is 215.9. There's 216 guys drafting every league. So if he ends up on 20% of my teams and he only ends up on 35% of rosters and he has and he and I get lucky enough to make it to the final round. There's a good chance I'm the only guy out of 460 guys in week 17 with a Quez Watkins stack, right? Like so, yeah. so that so those last couple rounds, that's <clears throat> when you could start taking stands. And and the way I've thought about this has basically just come down to stacking. If I could find guys deep on roster that complete team or game stacks, that's kind of how I've I've been thinking about looking for these unique guys. A stack goes both ways, though, right? Yeah. Like- you can stack a guy who you like who gets a lion's share of the targets when some oh, other player on that team is assumed to get those and doesn't. Like that would be like an Elijah Mitchell situation. Like people it, probably were all over them, you know, Trey Sermon last year. Yeah. Guy, guy was useless. Elijah Mitchell was, you know, get got mm-hmm. you know, stole the freaking job from him. Um and, you know, I think I don't know who possibly was out on a limb for Elijah Mitchell, but uh, I imagine that that's kind of the uh, an example. It's probably the kind of range you need. And the other way, I suppose you could take a stand and correct me if this is stupid, but zero percent of oh, somebody, yeah, yeah. yeah oh, somebody, sure, you know, sure. just like yeah, yeah. a bunch of you know a Absolutely. bunch of guys near Absolutely. the top, where it's just like you know what this guy is, he's a top, you know, top three round guy, and I'm gonna have zero percent. I don't think he's gonna meet his expectations. It's and like he's an injury risk or whatever you want to say. It's like DFS. If you try to cover all your bases, you're just losing upside, right? Like yeah. if you're thinking that way, that's just a horrible way to be playing any type of big tournament. Okay, so here's a question. Someone went into last year's process, decided I'm going to get overweight on um, on uh, Jonathan Taylor. That would have been mm-hmm. very possible because he was going in yeah. round one, but it was at the end of round sure, one. So sure. you would have had a lot of chances yeah. to load up on him at pick five, six, yeah. seven, eight, nine, whatever. Similarly, you could have been like, I'm going to get overweight on Cooper Cup. Yeah. Like, you know, the, those players, like you, people who happen to take a stand on guys who ended up 
having outsized performance mm -hmm. were the ultimately at the end of the day the ones that were in the cache yeah and that's why i think uh if you one why doing a lot of drafts early is helpful because you can start getting an idea of these guys you like or you can just subscribe to a site like 44 and take our guys the most um but if you <laughs> if if you don't if you don't take a stand you're just gonna you're gonna minimize your opportunity to have to run pure when you are right correct okay. like yeah. if you're if you're trying to have even exposure to every single player like you're just you're just losing out on chances to have these just outsized wins when you're correct again it's it's the same as dfs like you're not if you trust that you know whatever your your 10 percent owned guy is going to go off that week and you have 40 percent of them you're going to crush but if you don't if you don't uh, take those stands you're just you're just never giving yourself an opportunity to to realize that upside so and yes to answer your question I'm, I'm yeah i'm i'm all into uh like yeah, there, there's going to be guys you fade just as much as guys you're overweight on. What, I mean, one of those guys right now for me is, is Devontae Adams. I'm not taking it unless he's falling into late second or mid-second round. I just He just doesn't make sense as a first-round pick to me. Mm, love that. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd, I'd rather finish at the bottom than in the middle. 100%. Like there's, there's, because no, this, there's no money in the middle. And Yeah, if there if this was a tournament where you know you, you 5X your money every time you min-cash, by all means, take this middling approach. You can have a really good ROI, and, and if you are playing only twelve-man leagues and no tournaments, like you could probably get, you could probably have a nice 40 percent ROI on the year by playing it a little bit safer. Um, in something like this, where forty percent of the prize pool is going to four people out of four hundred fifty thousand, like min cashing doesn't do you anything. You're still going to lose money. So yeah. if you're not taking those stands, you just like stop playing. <laughs> tournaments of this. don't play tournaments of this size if you're not comfortable doing that yeah yeah that makes sense quick uh, so quick specific question yeah um if you are coming in with a i guess i want to talk about builds a little bit more yeah yeah what what in the hell is the zero running back strategy and why <laughs> why are people doing this all right um Let's 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 back up and 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 I mean, understand that. It was that. prevalent in redraft. I mean, it, it kind of started with that. Is it is it based off the redraft strategy where you just punted on it and found some cheap the, stuff late? Th the draft, the the premise for how you draft is yes. The big difference in redraft is obviously you have trades waiver wire, which is a huge, mm. um, which, which is a huge deal in zero running back, and a lot of the zero running back uh, um, writings were heavily based around PPR scoring because a lot of the ways people were being successful going back to Sean Siegel, who kind of made it popular was scooping up these pass catching third down type running backs. Um, in something like best ball, you, especially in a big tournament like this, you need to run absolutely pure, right? Like you just need to run perfectly. So the concept is simple. You're going to have the strongest team at every other position, hopefully, if you're drafting correctly, and hopefully win the war of attrition by loading up on back-end running back guys. If one or two hit, you're probably going to be one of the only people with that combination when the rest of the league is drafting early round running backs. Now, okay. you need uh, you need a, uh, a year that is going to be absolutely chaotic. You know, you're going to need, obviously, draft a couple of the uh, right guy like Rashad Penny was a really good example last year and the benefit of it is that the zero running backs in a tournament of this size 
the zero running back strategy is only going to get stronger as the year goes on, which is where the most money is made, right? So if your team is peaking, if you do enough through your other positions to make it through that first round, make it to the playoffs, when your team is peaking, it's when the most money is being made and it's giving you like the most unique combinations of players just because there just aren't. like So this is the thing people get where people really – mess up with something like zero RB because it does get the, it's the most controversial. It gets the most ink. People love arguing about it over the last two years, less than 4% of the best ball mania fields use zero running back. Right? So it's not something you need to be doing half of the time. If you do it in like, if I do it in 15 out of 150 leagues, I'm doing it way more often than the field. Like yeah. I'm just giving, I'm just looking for my way to, to give myself outs, to give myself unique combinations it's hard to do it through ownership when 90% of the guys are drafted in every league. So how can I do it? I could do it through unique roster construction. So okay. is it going to be the most plus EV way to get through the first round of the tournament to get to the playoffs? No, but if I can get a couple of those teams through the playoffs and they can peak, then I'm, it's going to give me some unique outs. Okay, so it's about so, differentiation. Yeah. It's differentiation. about it's about filling out your portfolio, mm-hmm. and it's about letting it come to you. You're in a Absolutely. draft, and you're like, well, oh, I ended up with two unbelievably good wide receivers, and yeah. my best tight end is available for me in the third yeah. round. Absolutely. I guess this yeah. is a zero sometimes, running back. Sometimes it just happens, okay. yep. Well, and uh, and just to be clear, there's nobody out there that's like, I'm doing all no running back or zero running back. Yeah, like, I think there's some guys that are going pretty hard on it. But, so, well, I mean, that's so, a good so somebody, question. Somebody could go like, you know, 80% of their lineups are zero running back, you say. Well, this yeah. is a this is a perfect perfect segue yeah, question. fucking unique stuff. What was your percentage the last handful of years, and are you inclined to have a greater percentage of your portfolio this year with the bigger schedule and the kind of the more chaos seems plausible, frankly? I've always been in, in that, like, that, like, well, not always been. I mean, the best ball tournaments are very young. Um, I, in, in my redraft leagues, I've always just loved it. Just one, because I just love making my league mates just irritated and angry, and then I just win the league anyway, so it's funny. Um, but it, I, I think last year I was probably in that 5-10% range. This year I'm probably more inclined to do it a little bit more because it had such bad results last year. Like, it just okay. completely crapped the bed. And one of the reasons it crapped the bed is because – people just weren't drafting enough running backs. People were going zero RB and then only drafting five running backs. We saw when you got to like six or seven running backs, the success of it started increasing. Now, we only have two years of data on best ball mania. It could be very slippery slope to like rely on that data as gospel. Um, but we saw, we, we see these ebbs and flows with trends, whether it be in DFS or fantasy, that people are just so quick to write off the thing that didn't work last year. Um, another one of those things is like the the hyper-fragile forwarding back builds in the first Best Ball Mania tournament. Um, uh, Justin Herzig, who won, was a huge proponent, and Mike Leone as well, of the four running back builds getting two or three running backs early and only sticking to four. Um, that did pretty poorly last year, but we know it can work. Um, so I think noticing those trends and, and understanding that the field is probably going to be a little bit colder on them than they should be is a good spot to take advantage of. I'm, I'm fine with it too. I mean, we, I, I want to say two or three years ago, and it was just maybe a casual observation because we have the draft in the same garage every year where, uh, when we get there, 
they'll put up the draft board from the year before so we can have a little chuckle. And you looked, and there was one year, it's like, man, like five out of the first six picks got seriously injured. Because, you know, it's starting as usual. It was just a, a normal a normal standard league and he ended yeah. up with a lot of running backs early and like none of those guys are younger like i guess jonathan yeah. taylor isn't old but looking down the list of like if you look at the running backs that have you know moved to the top of the list like mccaffrey eckler henry dalvin cook joe mixon aaron jo- like sec saquon i mean those guys have been injured before yeah. as and, as uh, running backs well and, you know you end up with one chaos here where three or four of these top running backs miss considerable time and those those zero running back builds just have to do well like right and it just it goes back to us being really bad at predicting the future and and giving ourselves some of these outs and and taking stands right like if if you are if you're like that does happen and you're one of the few people that even if you you don't think it's optimal strategy but you're one of the few people that decided i'm going to like build for this potential chaos like you're going to hit, right? Like the thing about things like DFS tournaments and now best ball tournaments is I, I, especially people that play redraft. I think people have a very gross misunderstanding of how little projection it is um, in terms of like that understanding the median projections. Like we could come up with some pretty damn good median projections, but in DFS, it's way more important. I think I would argue that ownership projections are immensely more important than a median point projection. And if you can exploit those and understand what the field's going to do and be different, you don't need to win every single week in DFS. In NFL, one week pay for your whole season if you're playing these large field tournaments. So understanding the field, understanding ownership percentages, understanding these trends is arguably going to be more important than your season-long projection on a player. That checks out entirely. Um, yeah. I feel like you got to go back to like Adrian Peterson or Ladanian Tomlinson to have like the 1.01 guy was actually worth it. But mm-hmm. um, does that, uh, I mean, in general, uh, if you're picking at the top of the draft, are you beholden a bit to the consensus there? Uh, because I imagine like there's oh, there's only upside. There, you know, there's only so much upside at a guy who is expected to be at the top going at the top, right? Yeah, I've had some uh, discussions with dudes that are pretty damn good at fantasy and, and best ball that don't necessarily agree with me on this one. I I go back to uh, what I talked about, the difference between drafting in the summer and then when I get to August. I would say for now, I'm, I'm kind of letting the draft fall to me in the first round or two unless I really don't like a guy. Um, but so I can get a fair amount of exposure. Like these guys are going in the first round for usually pretty damn good reasons, right? Like all of them probably have league winning upside. So I don't want to just be like fading Jonathan Taylor all the time. I want, (laughs) you know, that just doesn't, that just isn't, doesn't seem like a good strategy. Um, So for the most part for now, I'm kind of letting the first round come to me, let that kind of determine my build. And then again, when I get to August, September, I'll start taking some really hard stands on these guys and and deciding who I want to be um, over or underexposed to. And I I say, I'm going to, I'm way more likely right now to be um, like, like fading guys and taking huge stands on these guys. Like use, use someone like, um, like Jamar Chase, for example. I love Jamar Chase. I love Justin Jefferson. I'm not taking them at 1.01 or 1.02 just to do it because I'm going to have enough picks at five or six to get them. Um, go back Got to it. like the Devontae Adams. I'm If if I don't like him, I'm going to take him when, when only when he falls. But, you know, guys I like, I'm going to get my exposures to them in the Got first it. round. And then, you know, 
it's it's almost like good chalk in DFS. Like exactly. If you draw, if you draw one oh one exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah, you, you can't be like, all right, I'm gonna get real squirrely. Like you have to just say, Well, I drew the first pick. I have to take, you know, one of these probably one of two yeah. running backs here yeah. and just deal with it and realize like if I enter enough of these, I'm gonna get enough fives and sixes to take my stud wide receivers. I'll get my exposure at the top. And like you said, even though we're bad at predicting I think we're pretty decent at predicting who's the most likely, you know, five or six sure. best running backs and receivers. Like, yeah. it, it's decent outside of, you know, if people say, well, he didn't even finish top 12, well, he got injured. Like, right, usually, right. usually if these guys don't finish, you know, somewhere close to their range, it's because of a big injury. And that's well, just, I, well, that let me ask, completely let me, unpredictable. Let me compound that specifically. So there are certainly some players and age matters. Injury history matters, yeah. but there are some players who only have tail risk and don't have yeah. upside. Like their role and their relationship with their veteran quarterback is in stone. That you know, you 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 are going to get this many targets per game, and if you catch the ball thrown to you, you're going to produce this. Are you receiver, making a case right? for heavy wince exposure? No, <laughs> oh no, oh no, no, no. But but. Uh, certainly some players only have downside risk and others yeah. have uncertainty to the upside. Um, do you have a methodology either quantitatively or qualitatively to capture the high upside risk guys and avoid the guys with, that only have tail risk? Yeah, I think the the downside guys, a lot of it is age-related. Um, okay. Like, uh, I think... Uh, uh, or, or um, steady declines in efficiency is something we, we rarely see bounce back. Like someone that comes to mind right now is Ezekiel Elliott. Like even though he's being drafted down at, I don't know, in the 40s or 50s, like does Ezekiel Elliott have the – oh, he's being drafted at – yeah, he's being drafted at 38. It's not even that low. Um, does he have the overall running back one um, in his range of outcomes? Like probably not. Uh, whereas when I'm looking for guys with uh, the upside, I, I think – it is I kind of draft offenses more so okay. than players. So if I could pinpoint these offenses that are trending up, um, Bills were the perfect example a couple of years ago. You know, buying the the, the pieces of those um, at cost or or even better below cost, I think you're going to maximize your opportunities. Um, you know, if you were if you were buying Josh Allen, Stephon Diggs a couple of years ago because you projected that offense to be better, you won a lot of leagues. Eagles are one of those teams for me this year, um, and and especially when they're pretty affordable, like those offenses trending up with a lot of affordable ADPs. Those uh, you can strike you strike a lot of gold there. I love that. So then let's talk about one other type of build and stack, mm-hmm. and that is you you mentioned offenses with upside. Yep. The correlation I'm assuming is quarterback receiver. Yeah. Are um, there do you, I'm assuming there's a small negative correlation to running back receiver and running back quarterback. Is that right? Yeah. There. Um, if we look at league wide trends, or even a, tight end wide out. You yeah. If we if we look at if we look at league wide trends, um, on of league wide basis, the running game and the the pass game are going to be negative correlated. That's very intuitive. Uh, if we look at something like DFS. You see a lot of stacks with whether it be quarterback, 
with a running back and receiver or even more popular just like a running back with his own wide receiver because on that weekly level when an offense blows up if they score six or seven touchdowns in a week like both of the both parts of the offense are probably getting theirs right what we've seen on the season-long best ball level is that two things have been very uh detrimental to stacking options one going back to your point about if we're reaching do you like reach for players you like if you're reaching for teams you're like if you're going out of your way ahead of adp to combine any players from offense we just haven't seen a lot of success with it so if you're drafting steph Diggs three spots ahead of adp and and josh allen eight spots ahead of adp just have the bill stack that hasn't been great you don't have to avoid the early round stacks but like let them come to you what what we have seen work a lot uh, is these ancillary pieces to uh, offenses. So surprisingly, a quarterback with a running back two and a wide receiver three or four have had huge successes in these tournaments, which kind of makes sense because, again, we think about what we're dealing with on this tournament. We're not we're not working in a traditional redraft league where we can manage our teams and or we even have to pick who is starting. But these ancillary players where we're kind of, we get bad at predicting the deep end of the depth chart, the running back two versus running back three or the wide receiver three versus the wide receiver four. If you stack those guys on an offense that goes bonkers and they start to succeed later in the year, like those best ball teams are going to do better. Right. And then Andy, to answer your point, uh, a lot of the correlations that we've seen have been like, a secondary running back with a tight end like these these the way you could think about it is these players that need their offenses to go off to have big seasons they're like josh allen's gonna bring along isaiah mckenzie with them where stefan diggs is just a monster stefan diggs is gonna ball no matter what right but if the bills have a crazy season that third and fourth receiver that's when they're gonna have their big season so that's why these cheaper ancillary guys uh tend to get dragged up by a really good offense where the guys that are ballers on volume like they don't necessarily need to be in the best offenses they don't need their quarterback to to bring them up they're gonna get there so the the ancillary players in best ball have been super interesting and it's been really successful like waiting to stack towards the the second half of um I love the draft. I, yeah, I love this part too, and especially to, you know, it's a matter of draft capital spent. Mm-hmm. You know, if you find someone who is a wide receiver three on what is supposed to be a league average offense, and he turns out to be you know closer to like a two A, where yeah. he's just he's getting as many targets as the second guy. Maybe mm-hmm. he gets a little more slot work than he was supposed to. He's getting you know forty percent more targets than we thought early in the season. And also that offense is just starts clicking like his his ADP was probably 50 spots yeah. low. Yeah, the return on that the return on that is just like exponentially higher, right? Like when you're if your second round guy hits second round value, cool, he paid off. If well, yeah, like you said, if the tenth round Diggs. guy is giving you second round value, yeah, yeah, like the the way that Diggs has like Drew talked about the long tail to the bad, like Diggs's tail hits his head on the ceiling pretty quick. <laughs> like if he has the best season ever, yeah. that, it, you know, if he has the best season ever for a wide receiver, it's not as much upside as you can get from a wide receiver three that got drafted, right. you know, like 160 or wherever you exactly. want to have him. Just there's so much more room for upside based on the draft capital spent. Yeah. You know, when that, you draft those guys high, they're ex- you're expecting them exactly, play well more exactly. often than not. Yep, Exactly. So how much do you factor in sort of the market 
rating of team offense and defense coming into the season? And do you think that's adequately reflected in ADP in general? Like, I guess um, a good example is like, there's two ways you go about production. One is you have a great offense. The other is you have a really good offense and yeah. a shit defense, right? Yeah. I think the, uh, the offenses that we think are nowhere going to be elite, that's always kind of going to be priced into it. And then there's yeah. just always going to be one or two offenses that just catch steam for whatever reason. Cause uh, shows like this and me talking about the Eagles too much or something like that. Uh, as far as like what carries over from one year to the next, or if you're talking about like the defensive matchups, I I don't know how much people are thinking about that defensive side of things. It might be an interesting way to think about it. Um, as far as the 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 stickiness of it from year to year, um, how defenses perform against positions, which we care about for fantasy, is like super unpredictable. Except for like, the the absolute extremes, like the absolute best teams, say against against quarterbacks are going to stay the best. Like those secondaries are going to stay good. The absolute worst teams are usually going to stay pretty bad, but in the middle from, you know, teams that are ranked, you know, 27th against the pass will jump up to being ranked six or seventh against the pass all the time. I, I think it's, um, I, I think it's probably not something we're, we're super good at predicting. If, if anything, I think one thing that as at least a, a little bit of actionable predictive uh, nature to it is just looking at something as simple as uh, win win totals futures. Um, you know, the following teams with higher win totals, it's net, that's usually going to be better game script, better scoring conditions. Like even if those offenses aren't great teams that win more, are just going to have more favorable team opportunities, scoring opportunities. Um, a lot of times that, you know, is going to pertain to maybe the running back a little bit more than the other positions, but quarterbacks benefit from good game script too. Okay. How much does end of season matter when you're putting together a roster? Well, I've, been, I've seen some tweets about this. Trip. This has been a very common joke that I don't get. Yeah. I mean, Davis Maddock had a tweet. I did not understand. <laughs> I mean, that's yeah, his yeah. whole, that's been his whole Twitter. That's, that's been David. Real? Well, I haven't understand Dave. I haven't understand David's Max Twitter since 2013. So don't feel to be, bad. Yeah, to, to be fair, yes. Um, so, is is it sarcastic or like are you literally avoiding no. teams that are like outdoors in cold weather? In <laughs> no, we're not in going. We're not January. going that. We're not going that far. Okay. Right? That is sarcastic. I okay. think. I think. Okay. Maybe not. But I mean, as far as thinking about Week 17 specifically and, and the playoffs, I mean, again, go back to how how this tournament is set up. Three million out of the ten million dollars is being awarded to two guys in week seventeen. Thirty percent of the prize pool is going to to two guys, or sorry, yeah, two guys in in week seventeen. Um, so we want to mostly be optimizing for that week because that's what we're playing for. So the way I've been thinking about it is again those late rounds. Like if we're stacking our our teams, our offenses, our, our bills, our Eagles or whatever, like they're still, they're going to be playing together on week 17 anyway, but understanding who those teams are playing against um, and kind of making some, some late round decisions on, on building out those game stacks. Obviously there are going to be ones that we like more than the other ones. Uh, but no, optimizing for week 17, I think with such a, a top heavy prize pool, I, I think you kind of have to again, um, I don't think you should be forcing it in the first two rounds when it falls naturally with some studs. That is great. But those last few rounds have been, that, that's kind of how I've been making my, 
you know, last last four or five picks of every draft, I'm at least thinking about week 17. Shit. Andy, you're I actually, thought, let me, do you I, have, I thought I had do you have, out. do you have the look ahead totals for week 17? Do you already know what the highest total on the board is going to be? Um, I have that I up. Superbook? I've only seen the Superbook lines. I haven't seen their totals. I'm not sure if they had totals up. There were game totals up on Vegas Insider last week, and then they like most of them were down like a day later. So I don't know what's yeah. going on. Yeah, Buffalo since is going to be a massive number. I was going to say we could kind of guess, but yeah, I mean I could tell you, you which ones know. I've been I've been targeting heavily is um, Buffalo Cincy, um, Casey Denver, uh, Green Bay Minnesota, um, sneaky some a sneaky one that I've just kind of I think it's probably more of just like ADP value Detroit Chicago, um, Philly New Orleans. How about Atlanta Arizona? I have, kind of I have. So, I have. I think indoors. Uh, I think yeah. that makes both quarterbacks Ari- be hurt by then. A- Atlanta, Arizona makes sense for like some. I have a ton of Kyle Pitts, so I just like keep automatically doing that. Like, if you're trying to get super funky with it and you're trying to win two million dollars, I I have thrown in some Desmond Ritter with my Kyle Pitts. Yeah, because there's a pretty decent chance he's playing by then. Yep. Chargers, Rams. Chargers, Rams, beautiful. Yep. San Francisco versus the Raiders. I wrote that one up the day the schedule came out, and now I keep just not drafting it. Interesting. That huh. one actually has a total up at one place. I tell you, so which ones will not have a lot of points? Well, what do you think? Pittsburgh, that total Baltimore. Is that one total might be forty-one and a half, forty-two. Yeah. Well, which 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 one were you asking? The San Francisco Niners, Niners total. Uh, it's in Vegas, so it's probably going to be forty-nine fifty. It's only forty-seven and a half up at Caesars. You were right. The, the Chargers. The Chargers is on the other side of fifty already. Yeah. Which fair. Those are the only two I can find lines for right now. Interesting. It seems okay. low. Should we should we bet a week seventeen game right now? No. I don't think so. <laughs> Plenty of time. I, I talked a big game I talked a big game about actually doing a draft today and I quickly backpedaled because it's like shit, I know so little about this. <laughs> like I don't even want to throw the five dollars away now. I gotta read the Bible thing that you wrote. Like it's a, it's a doozy. Like it's the, a doozy. The, yeah. Is it long? Uh, it's a seven-part series, and they're each a couple thousand words. Can we give away who your favorite tight end is to stack with the uh, the early tight end strategy? Or it's been, it's, Kyle, trying, it's, Kyle, it's Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts. Okay. Yeah. yeah, it's Kyle, Kyle Pitts. Pitts. Yeah, he's a freak. It seems like somebody who's going to win somebody a million dollars this year. That's interesting that too. The, the Ritter thing is interesting too. I suppose I'm gonna have to take a bunch of the. What what kind of exposures do you think you'll be seeing on, you know, uh, Ritter? Maybe even maybe even Willis. I I know that he's I, not like. I'll be, I'll a, be honest with There you. could be an injury there. Buda Baker's a fine player. That's that Cardinal secondary sucks. Yeah. They're gonna they are gonna Pitts is gonna win somebody a million dollars week seventeen. Um, I could see Ritter getting popular in August, or not. I would say popular, but I could see it, it getting to a point where he's being drafted before the last round, which would make him, you know, in going in seventy or eighty percent of leagues. That's, but right I right now, right get, now he's get, right now he's going undrafted. So I mean, hmm. fine. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Okay. Who's what are what are give me? Uh, here, here's a here's a here's an off the cuff one that's going to be tough. Do you have one or two positional battles that you are like refreshing every time you're like, well, let's look at some camp reports or some mini camp reports or like when camp gets here. One or two positional battles that you're going to be refreshing 
nonstop. Yeah, it, it was going to be the Chiefs' backfield until they resigned McKinnon, and now I think that's just going to be a shit show. Um, uh, definitely the Broncos' pass catchers. I mean, I, I people are going to be talking about Javante and and Melvin a lot, but I don't think we're I, there's not going to be clarity on that like I, I think most likely they kind of start to split and Javante pulls away but if we can figure out who Russ likes between Cortland and Jerry Judy I think that's going to be a um, a fantastic nugget to figure out um, I think oh oh Bill's running backs James Cook Kirk. versus Devin Singletary yeah, yeah. that's a huge one for yeah. me yeah so is there a player that you've kind of made a bet on in the uh, in the closing rounds of drafts that you're like, if you wake up in August and they're like, he's got RB1 or wide receiver two, it, like you're just going to fist pump Antonio the, Banderas? Like, yes. Yeah, the, the two guys I've been going re- – the two guys I've been going really hard on are Miko Hardman and Isaiah McKenzie. Okay. Okay. Um, I mean, just because you're getting cheap, cheap pass catchers and, uh, you know, tied to two of the best quarterbacks in the league. And I don't even like the meek hole thing. I don't even necessarily like if I was John Paulson and I was making season long projections, I would probably project it out like ADP or maybe flip flop sky and, and MVS. But if I'm getting the there's four wide receivers on the Chiefs, they're all going within like 50 picks of each other. It's super ambiguous. And I'm getting the cheapest one, who's the only one that has actually seen a target from Patrick Mahomes in his career. So, like, if I'm getting him in the 12th or 13th round, um, when I'm already stacking Denver, Kansas City a ton, uh, I love that. And then Isaiah McKenzie, it's, that's just an absolute, like, dart throw. If, if somehow something happens to Diggs or Gabe Davis isn't who everybody thinks Gabe Davis is going to be, yeah, you know, even though, I, <laughs> even though I, I do love Gabe, um, you know, he there there's – a, a very big non-zero chance that he isn't a. He has a wide a, a th- distribution of results. He's going wide receiver twenty-four yeah, right yeah. now. So I like, I, I like, I like Isaiah McKenzie. I think a lot. I think he's a really good bet. Um, and then in regards to again back to the beginning, where to play? Is is underdog the only one that has big tournaments like this? No, man. No, not at all. I, I, um, I just went to Yahoo and it's like, do you want to play in this five dollar ten man league? No. Yeah, I mean, I, if you're if you're somebody that wants to that doesn't want to play in these tournaments that wants to, uh, you know, if, well, no, if I you want, want more, I want no, I, I know, but if if somebody if somebody wants to you know invest a thousand bucks and get a nice little four or five hundred dollar Christmas bonus, like go play at Yahoo. But uh, FFPC has some really nice tournaments. They have their best ball mania tournament. FFPC is um, tied in premium, so that makes it a nice little wrinkle and the tournament. The tournament is 9,800 people, I think. So you don't have to like be going out of your way to be doing these crazy, unique things in the Best Ball Mania tournament. Um, you know, there's some smaller <laughs> tournaments like the Puppy on Underdog. There's Drafters, which is a full PPR site. Their unique wrinkle is it's just highest score for the season. So um, it, it's not like it doesn't get broken down into these four playoff weeks like they do on Underdog and FFPC. So you can. You, you, if you don't want to have to be thinking about these week 17 optimization type things, Drafters has a really great tournament. Um, I know, uh, I'm forgetting one. I have all these tabs open now just so I remember them later and I don't have to listen to my own. Oh, DraftKings. Yeah. DraftKings has a ton of tournaments, obviously. DraftKings <laughs> Forget has about a little, little yeah, company yeah. called DraftKings. Yeah, that small one. DraftKings um, has. A well, ton how, are, how are you, let's say, just your, let's just say 10 grand worth of, uh, 
uh, you know, best ball money. How are you allocating it site wise? I'll probably I'll probably split it somewhat evenly between DK and um, and and underdog. FFPC, I just mostly and mostly big tournaments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't, I don't. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll play some smaller stuff, but I, I, my, my bread and butter is DFS. So this is my, this is like playing a qualifier for me. I'm, I'm playing best ball like qualifiers at this point. Trying to win um, tickets. Yeah, yeah. Um, I, I'll play some FFPC, but like Titan Premium has just never like suited my eye, so to speak, for whatever reason. So I don't play a ton of FFPC, although, um, you know, they, they do have a pretty good, pretty good product. They run a playoff league, right? They run all is kinds that, of stuff. Is, yeah. Is but that, they, is they that the one, yeah. That's the one with a big playoff. Yeah. League. That's like, the one Darren, where you got to pick one Darren's player from each team. Yep. Yeah. Right. Yep. You get the cumulative uh, playoffs. I used to be in a weird league <laughs> like that and it was super fun. And I had like, I had the nuts if uh, Favre didn't throw across his body. So that was that was in 2000. I was playing best ball in 2009, guys. Nice. Um, we can't let you leave without answering the most important offseason question. Are you two anon or are you two go to the bench? Two anon. <laughs> two anon. He's actually good or the Dolphins uh, offense is going to be a disaster. Uh, dude, I, I haven't been drafting a lot of Dolphins. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin, he danced around it, but not really. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't, I don't like the Dolphins. I don't, I don't think, uh, I don't think it's gonna happen. Just the one social media post where it's like that the, was, the, that was the bomb, that, that was, was the bomb, and it looks like he's sitting there waiting to catch a punt. It looked like. It was, um, uh, do you remember? Do you remember the Little Giants? The movie The Little Giant. It looked like when the toilet oh, yeah. paper was spinning in the air to Hot Hands. That's what that looked like. <laughs> <laughs> Well, who was the? What was the? Oh, Kelly would know this. So, was it Miss? And I don't watch wrestling, oh, but I, Mr. Perfect, I think maybe, who threw the football to himself. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna have to go find that clip. It was like this, this clip from like the '90s where he threw a touchdown pass to himself. It went a long That's way. That's awesome. Too. So, all right, I'm. Yeah, I think I'm. I'm still waiting to evaluate a lot of stuff. It is still June, but if I were drafting right now, I probably wouldn't have much to. Uh, yeah, I, I don't think, think there's. And maybe maybe there's something to said. I and you have to do this, and you know something. Again, I've learned from DFS. Sometimes you have to take some guys you don't like. Yeah. If oh, you're absolutely. making if you're making a big like, I've max entered some. And again, when I max enter, it's like, hey, I'm max entering this five dollar tournament uh, this weekend, because that's a lot of lineups, and that makes me nervous if I put too much money into shit where I'm not yeah. very good at it. But when you, I, that's I, a pretty I, good strategy. Don't invest a lot of money and shit you're not good at. Yeah, I enjoy, but I enjoy the, I enjoy the 150 lineup look. Yeah, especially oh. and I and I love the swings. at the beginning. At yeah. the beginning, it's really fun. And I love the swings of like, oh my god, I'm winning all the money, and then, and then if you if you're not winning all the money anymore, then you just don't pay attention the rest of the weekend. You're like, I bet too. You know, I'm I'm gonna track my bets instead. Okay. But the same kind of thing goes where even in that, it's like. You know, my player pool has to have a few guys that are – I don't like this guy. I don't think he's going to play well here. I don't think he fits, but Christ, he's under-owned. Like, his percentage is just way too low, and you have to throw him in there. So that might be the case with some of these guys that I think stink. If they're getting underdrafted, I might have to add them to my – I don't know. Again, I don't know how many I'm going to add. And my last thing, too, is um, 
win Superflex rankings. We got Superflex rankings. Is that a thing? Before. Okay, yeah. I'm not oh, very yeah. good at finding it. Oh, then. yeah. yeah <laughs> I'll, 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 shoot you, I'll shoot you a link. Yeah, you might need to help me. I just found regular rankings. Maybe I'm doing it wrong. No, they're they're in our um, they are in our our custom ranking system. But I'll I'll shoot you the link over there. All right, good. I need that because, again, I'm mostly just gonna just because I don't know what I'm doing yet. I'm mostly gonna enter the five dollar tournament instead of the twenty five. <laughs> you mentioned yeah, it's like thirty seven fifty to max the the big one. Yeah, probably not happening for me. Can you explain why uh, in like the top ten wide receivers, why is Debo Samuel the biggest riser? Um, I cannot explain that. No. <laughs> Would you rather? I mean, he just flipped Hill now. I mean, at this point, are you buying? I, you know, Hill's cold. Seems Samuel's hot. Does any of this make sense? Um, I, I, I haven't really been on receiver in that area at all. To be honest with you, um, I, I think maybe the, the the only thing I could imagine is that um, people are just getting more confident that it is going to be Trey Lance. I, I heard some. Jimmy Garoppolo to um, to 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 Cleveland discussions already, so maybe that's that could be what's moving it. That would be wild. <laughs> yeah, could there be a full year suspension? In the... <laughs> Some, uh, yeah, the, not to get into that whole thing again, but man, now, now they're suing the Texans. Yeah, this is just gonna get the murkier and murkier. It could, get... and it's already pretty okay. fucking murky. Yeah. <laughs> so. Um, yeah, TJ, tell people where people can find all your stuff. Yeah, man, everything uh, is available at 444.com. As, as I mentioned, if you are just kind of dabbling in best ball, um, you can, and the best ball mania tournament specifically, you can check out the best ball mania Bible. It's a seven piece series that I wrote that just goes from the most foundational things in best ball to how to be unique in week 17 in the best ball mania tournament. And a lot of those lessons are super applicable to any underdog or best, best, best ball league you're going to be playing. It's based off of our underdog tools at four for four. And we have a complete suite of best ball content and tools. So even if you don't plan on playing best ball mania specifically, um, everything that, that you need to get ready for any best ball league is available at four for four. Um, all of our season long projections, uh, ranking, content is also up there and if you are um, interested in, in dabbling outside of the football realm I've been going pretty hard in the Formula 1 DFS street so uh, check out the 4 for Formula 1 podcast where we got a race this week so uh, we'll have all of that content up uh, uh, Saturday after qualifying Ooh, that's going to be good did they fix again we were, we were going to close the show but now I have questions did they fix F1 DFS yet uh, that first really. week, no. I was. It, in it was the, it's better than week one, but they okay. they salaries are we, not salaries are not ideal, but it's um it's been it's been decent. Yeah, week one we had one just some guys in the RAS chat put it together, and I think there were seven people that entered a you know just a fun league that someone put together, and I think we had three duplicates. Yeah, and then two other ones where the top two guys were just flipped. It's got it's Which, gotten oh, it's, week one was a disaster. Week one was a disaster. It's gotten a little better. Um. It's a nice sweat because you can't build until after qualifying, so you have less than 24 hours to get ready, and it's a 90-minute race. So, uh, you know, it's a, it's a pretty quick sweat. Obviously, you know, sometimes the race is at 5 in the morning, but uh, it is what it is. Yeah, then you can just sleep in. Forget about it. See what <laughs> happens when you wake up. Yep. Watch it over again. So, cool. Appreciate you hopping on. I feel a lot oh, more anytime. educated. I feel like oh, I yeah, big the, time. I'm going to have to read the, the Bible series here and figure out yeah, a little man. more before I get into it. But thanks for, yeah, thanks for shooting me those rankings over. Oh, of course. 
I'm a I'm a super flex guy now. No big deal. There it is. I don't know what that means. Is that just two quarterbacks? <laughs> yep. Okay. That um, essentially, essentially. Why is Jameis Winston QB nineteen? Shouldn't he be here? Uh, crazy. I think that's I think that's pretty fair. It's pretty fair. Yeah. I have Meyer in my rankings. Okay. Well, let's call it a show. Thanks, Dan. <laughs> Appreciate you. You just got cut off by right. the music. It's all right. Monday. Well, I mean, you did tell him to call the show. Yeah. You yeah, can't complain when he cuts you off. It's all good. I feel um, like I can do this in the background. You can do like, 150 of these, you think? I, I will see. I mean, how many days until NFL starts?